You're listening to the Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comment section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Chris Leppert. And tonight, Rick is at a uh, wedding rehearsal dinner uh, on a Thursday, which is the weirdest thing ever. So I hope they hear this podcast and realize how weird it is to have that on a Thursday. Um, <laughs> but uh, tonight, we are joined by my main man, Bruce Palmier. How you doing, Bruce? Doing great. Actually, just got down to the farm about 10 minutes ago, and we're gearing up for muzzleloader season. Yeah, uh, it's right around the corner. Starts uh, Saturday at daybreak, and uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be filling some coolers. We're gonna be, <laughs> we're gonna be putting some some animals down. <laughs> and for those that don't realize what he just said, when he said coolers, he's got a walk-in cooler. So we're not talking about like a beer cooler here. No. Um, so have you got to shoot your muzzleloader? Check it, sight it in, whatever. That's tomorrow morning. So okay. uh, I, got, I got a couple of work calls in the morning and then it's sighting in the muzzleloader and then going to bow hunt tomorrow night and then uh, strap on the orange Saturday morning. Nice. Let's, so Let's go. Before we get into um, our hunt breakdown, tell me a little bit about your strategy for tomorrow night's bow hunt and the weekend. So I got uh, I got a couple options. Uh, okay. it's, it's, you know, the, the, the breakdown of my buck is so the, the, the secrets out that I shot a buck already, but <laughs> so I'm on doe patrol for the rest of the season. Um, I've got a couple options. Number one, um, I'm still getting a lot of photos from the food plot that I shot the buck out of does in the daylight. I mean, it is a cesspool of deer down there. Yeah. Um, so I believe what I may try to do is, and kind of foresighting a little bit, is take the same route that you and I took yep. for the mobile hunt and potentially uh, sit on the ground and and see if I can't get lucky on a, on a deer coming in from that hillside. Uh, the other option is I've got a huge corn pile of ear corn. Not It's not in a broadcast spreader, but it's literal ear corn. I spread out a huge pile, and that has not been touched yet this season uh, other than checking a trail cam twice. I think I'm going to uh, break that in with a bow sit. It's not very conducive for a, for a muzzleloader sit because you don't need that kind of firepower. It's real tight, sure. real it's just close confined. Um, whereas yeah. a bow sit would, would be enough. Um, and then going to break down Saturday. Uh, I've got some other, um, tree stands that once it's on top of the big hill, right when you come up the top of the property, mm -hmm. I put in a new ladder stand there. You can see, you know, probably 150, 200 yards there. I would never take a 150 yard shot with a muzzleloader, uh, really? preference. No, I, I like them close. I like okay. them, uh, I like them hundred yards or less. And that, 
we get enough opportunities. I don't have to be sure. yeah. too picky there. Uh, where if I get desperate, sure, I, I might, but uh, it's never come down to that. Every single shot I've taken with my muzzleloader has been under 100 yards. In fact, maybe even 50 yards was the furthest. Yeah. Uh, and then I've got uh, another stand that I put a lot of ear corn down that I'm going to um, – but you know our property, so it's it's down mm-hmm. around the backside, um, near the creek where we were, where that box blind is. Uh, there's a there's two food plots down there, um, and I would hunt the one that has the box blind in it, since that one hasn't been hunted yet this year. So yeah, that's the plan. Um, you know, I I'm gonna go for one this weekend, so one doe this weekend. Uh, that leaves me. So we don't eat uh, beef. We, we strictly eat venison. So we've calculated that three mature deer is our, our target number. So um, we've got one in already, just need two more. And so I don't want to, don't want to get all my kills in too early or all my harvest really in too early. So um, that's my plan and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Heck yeah, dude. Sounds like you got a pretty solid strategy. I like hearing the first sit stuff for sure. Um, yeah. Cause your first sit, I mean, if that ear corn is still down there, then dear God, I mean, yeah, it's almost like a shame that you have a buck cause you never know what could be on its way into that. Yeah. And like you and I were talking on Sunday, the, the acorns are just everywhere. They're plentiful yeah. this year. And yep. Um, it's you know what else? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, it, it's just funny because you know we were talking about the fact that there's, you know, I've got cell cams on bait piles, but there's no bucks on it. But a month ago, before the acorn, acorns dropped, well, we had I had bucks galore, but they're just not coming into that corn. They don't need it. They're they're feeding on the acorns. Yep. Um, I think there's something else that's going to come into play as well. Um, so here for the last month, we've been targeting white oaks. Mm-hmm. Now things are going to get a little harder on us. I think, I don't mm-hmm. know for sure, but I think because now we've had a little bit of a frost and that could make the red oak acorns start to become pretty favorable. And so if a deer can choose from red oaks and white oaks, well, they all they got to do is just pick a place to put their face down on the ground now. so And just eat. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I did. So going back to my food plots real quick, I did plant two food plots this year that I typically – I've planted them once before. Didn't have a lot of success. But this year, uh, I planted quite a bit of rape. And it's a – yeah, R-A-P-E, just like the word. And – <laughs> it actually, uh, after the first frost, the the chemical makeup of rape turns really sugary. And deer just I can't take feed you on seriously. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, oh, I've never man. heard of it. I was at I was at Southern States, and you know, a buddy said, "Hey, you know, try throwing down quite a bit of rape." And after that first frost, the deer just come into it. And I wow. talked to the guy at Southern States, and he's like, "Yeah, like it, it turns into like candy for him." And I've never heard of that plant before, but it is a real thing. Uh, so 
I don't know if that's what they're coming into, if they're enjoying it. I did plan a lot of turnups and um, just say it's a fall winter or a fall wildlife mix from Southern States. And it looks good. It came, I'm super impressed with it. Awesome. Well, I don't know if you heard about the bet Josh and I have. I don't know if you saw me post about that. About the trifecta? Huh? About the trifecta? Yes. Okay. Um, We've decided that if one guy pulls off the trifecta and the other guy does not, or, you know, basically if one beats the other, but you have to achieve the trifecta, you can't get two states and beat the guy that way. You have to kill in all three states, minimum of 125 gross. It cannot be 120, and it's not, you know, the stupid net score crap. Uh, The loser wears a dress on opening day next year. (laughs) So hopefully... A camo dress or a or dress? No, 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 no. It's going to be a sexy dress to make sure yeah. that somebody wants to plant a little rape on Josh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I uh, I'm hoping that I kill in Kentucky this weekend. Yeah, and really put some pressure on him. Yeah, is he is he going out this weekend? Uh I can't remember. I, I think he is. I can't remember. Oh, he's he's been doing like baby classes and stuff. Um, oh, plus he's having a baby. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's got a baby due. I think he said the nineteenth, mm. um, and it's showing a week ahead of schedule. So, yeah. So once that much, baby comes, I don't think he's going out in the woods much. Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, I don't think he will. I, I'll be surprised. We'll see. We'll find out what matters. So it's yours. To, it's yours to lose at this point. It's yours to lose. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean, all it takes is for that lucky little bastard to go kill one at his yep. dad's, and then somehow get to Indiana, you know, and then bam. Yeah. Dead. So, but I'll have all season for the most part, as you know. God willing, long as nothing crazy happens. I know yeah. that I shouldn't be having any kids. <laughs> so we're good there. Be not in the next two months, anyways. Not in the next two months. So, but anywho, uh, enough enough about um, hopefully Josh losing. But uh, he talked a lot of smack to me today, and I kept it all inside. So, um, anyways, we were chatting, me, you, and Rick, uh, the other day in the thread, and you kept sending us some um, videos of some deer at the far end of your plots. And yep. I'm sitting there salivating, and I'm like, man, I know he's sitting in that stand. I'll bet, I would bet, if we just hung a stand about halfway, two-thirds of the way down, we'd probably, we'd probably get him a, a pretty easy shot at a doe. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to hunt together for deer for our first time on your farm, and I'm you know, super thankful and grateful for that. Um, but it was really cool because, you know, get it, it's always fun, private or public. It's fun to get to know a place and learn it, um, yeah. learn how the animals use it and, um, where all the foods are, the cover and everything you kind of know. But, um, I think that when you see it in real time, there's just something to be said for that. So, uh, our strategy 
like you said earlier, was to um, get down low below the plots and mm -hmm. walk the creek up, which would be walking upstream. And, you know, I was kind of explaining how it worked a little bit to you. And then we get down there and what happens? We got a stiff wind right in our face. And I mm -hmm. thought, oh my God, this is beautiful. So yeah. I'm going to let you take it from here and talk about the entire hunt. And then I'll tell everybody how I got lucky. Yeah. So I'm going to back it up to actually the Saturday's hunt. So I'm when okay. I started texting you guys, so I'm sitting in the stand Saturday and it's a ladder stand and imagine a hundred yard field food plot looks beautiful. You got a hillside on your right. You got a Creek on your left, beautiful, sunny day winds in your face. You couldn't ask for a better, better setup. And I'm sitting in the stand and I see groundhogs. I see Turkey. I see deer. I see owls. And I saw a little four point, small little guy come right next to me goes right under my stand and he moseys on the down the food plot and he starts sparring with another young buck and uh it was those are the moments those are the sits where you know even though i didn't get a shot at anything didn't even lift didn't even move for anything and you're just so appreciative of like the whole idea of hunting and, and being in the just being outdoors period. Yep. Um, so I was sending you guys texts. I was like, man, look at this, look at that. And you know, it was, it was a great, it was probably one of my most memorable sits. Um, and so, but you're right. So everything was 70 yards plus on the other end, except for the little four point that came in and a really small doe. Um, and I was like, gosh, I was sitting there and all I could think about was if I just had a stand halfway down this field, maybe at the 50 yard mark, it'd be golden. And so you would, you and I had connected and you'd said, let's, let's come in through the Creek through the, it's a dried up Creek. Um, and I was like, okay. And you had mentioned that the thermals and it, it's going to, our scent and everything is going to go downstream. So they're not going to detect us coming in. So we hopped up out of the Creek, you know, we came down and walked through the Creek, popped up, set up. And this is my first time ever mobile hunting. In fact, this is my first time ever in a, uh, hang on stand. All I've ever hunted Ooh, wow. from is a ladder stand. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've only ever been in a ladder stand and so I'm sitting there and, um, still as can be. And I'm, what would you say? I was probably, 10 11 feet up in the air yeah it's, not not much more than that if so I, I would say between 10 and 12 feet tops two yeah. sticks high. yep and the wind was in the in our you know coming from my left to right and i'm set up looking to the left and uh i'm sitting there and it's we got in early because you were gonna walk back up the hill and, and go find a spot as well so we got out kind of early and been sitting there for about an hour and a a one-pointer legitimate one pointer walks in and uh he saw me and he just kind of walked off he didn't he didn't come in the field at all he just walked off and then about 20 minutes later a, a decent side sized doe walks in and i said well okay if she if she comes in within bow range i'm gonna shoot her and sure enough she did and so where i'm set up there's a bunch of branches hanging over um the stand to my right 
and I looked and I said, okay, I, I can, I can squeeze this one through. So I let one fly. And right when I did, I heard tink and I saw a branch fall and I was like, oh no. And doe ran off, you know, I was like, I, I need to get down and check this to see if, you know, there's blood, if there's sign, if there's hair, if there's anything got down. Okay. So I got down out of the stand, walked through the food plot, checked the arrow, drives a bone, didn't smell anything like smelled it. Um, no scent, no nothing. So it's like, okay, thank God. Clean this. Perfect. So climb back in my stand and it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to shoot that way again. And so I climb up in my stand and I'm, I'm getting another arrow out and, uh, I look over, just happen to see, and there's another doe in the field. I was like, I just got in the stand and haven't been sitting here more than a minute. And there's already another doe in the field. So I was like, okay, well, if she, if she moseys on, I'm going to take a shot at her. And she was a small fawn. She was, she was small. Um, but I wanted to get one on the board, wanted to get one in the, in the cooler. And sure. so I was like, I'd already made the decision like, Hey, you know, it's a doe. It's not a button buck. I checked it and it's good. And I said, okay, if she makes it this far, sure. You know, I'll take a shot at her and I'm watching her. And I had turned my body completely over to that. She was on my right side again. I turned my body completely over and I'm watching her and just enjoying the evening. You know, she's feeding in the food plot and all of a sudden I heard. And I was like, I froze. And I said, I thought to myself, that was not a squirrel. That that was too heavy of a of a footprint to be a squirrel. And there was just one. So I said, okay, it was right below me. And uh, so I was frozen. And, you know, next thing I know, big body. I see just big body. And I was like, okay, this is going to be good. So I turned my head slowly. And, you know, I see these great big, huge tines sticking up. And I'm like, this is going to this is perfect. This is, this is great. So I let it fly and hit it. The buck walked after I hit him, I struck him, struck him good. He walked from one side of the food plot across from me. He didn't run. He didn't bound. He didn't kick. He just, he walked and we've got a cattle fence right across the food plot. And he stood right at the cattle fence and just stood there. And he started to sway, he started to sway. And I was like, okay, what's he going to do? Like, is, is he going to run off? What's he going to do? And he walked back across the food plot right at, almost right to me, bedded down for a second. I said, okay, well, I, I need to get another arrow on this guy. I need to, I need to speed this up because, you know, I don't want him to suffer. And never had, you know, he was in such thick trees I I saw his head and I could see his head kind of like falling over. And so he got back up and he walked down into the Creek and I can hear him tinking in the rocks, tinking, tinking. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to lay low. And I had texted you and where I was terrible cell service, terrible. Yep. And, uh, I didn't even know if you were getting my text. And so finally it's dark. I get down, I take the, uh, the mobile stand down and I'm, uh, I'm thinking, well, I don't want to walk over there just yet. I want to want to give him some time. I don't want to 
the last thing I want to do is push them because I don't want to track them all night. So I actually uh, took everything over by the four, four by four track or uh, the trail. And I was like, you know what? Let me just go check. So I walked over there, looked right down the creek. And there he was just cold stone dead. And uh, just the relief, you know, that he, I mean, he only ran 20 yards, 30 yards, maybe tops maybe. and didn't, didn't even run, just walked, yep. um, just walked. And so he's in the Creek and I'm looking around. I'm like, the banks are probably what, six, seven feet tall. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be fun. Um, so the plan was you were going to go hunt and, and, uh, on the other side of the property and you were going to come down with a side by side. And I was texting, Hey, I found him, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, where's he at? Like, where's Chris? <laughs> and so I walk up the hill and it's a steep hill. It's, it's no easy walk. And I walk up and I get back to the side by side and no Chris. I'm like, Oh shit. And it, you know, being a landowner, your biggest fear is either yeah. somebody's lost or hurt. Yeah. And I'm like, Chris is, he knows what he's doing. He's good. He's good. I tried calling you, went straight to voicemail, called just straight to voice. And it's pitch black. <laughs> I started yelling and I'm like, what in the heck? Like, I don't think you've been here enough. Like, I don't think you'd get lost. And, no. uh, so then finally you, you answered and your, your phone was on airplane mode. And I was like, hey, where are you at? <laughs> He's like, I'm over here by the pond. I'm tracking the deer. And I was like, what? That's great. And, uh, come to find out you're only just the other, like you were only maybe yeah. 200 yards away. And I was yelling and, uh, <laughs> you said, I thought it was cows. And I was like, it's, it's the middle of the night. Cows don't move at the middle of the night. <laughs> um, so anyways, I, I met up with you and you're like, oh, you know, she's bleeding bad. She's bleeding good. And uh, guys, when she said, when you say you, he was bleeding or she was bleeding good, it was like somebody took a gallon of blood and was just like making a trail. I mean, just pouring it out. Yeah. Blood was there was no well, i think you you said well like stevie wonder could have found this deer oh he could have jogged that blood trail it, it was it crazy was because unreal it was a bad shot um I, I would say now do you feel like when we checked that shoulder i didn't penetrate that shoulder blade through did i no i don't think i could have because then my arrow wouldn't be laying on the ground and it would have been pretty wrecked the head. No, and and when you cut that shoulder when you uh when you deboned it um that shoulder was fine yeah the, yeah was, there was just blood on the top the meat was there, actually good yeah um, it was fine i i think i hit something at the base of her neck when i skid through the front of the shoulder and then into the neck because i i don't know if i just missed my mark or uh, took a bad angle or what happened it was a it was kind of low light and I was put in a, a situation where I should have just said you know what and I, and I say this you know the deer died fairly quickly uh, yeah. it was a great blood trail all that but I, I will say I think that's one of those situations where I could have said you know what it's a doe like let's back off um, because I did um, so I one stick up the tree I used yeah. just stick to go and I was probably, I don't know, 16, 18 feet, something like that. 
and she comes through. I'll show you the video. She comes through just as slow as ever in that low spot of the fence. And then as soon as she gets even with the tree, she starts jogging. And I'm like, hey, come <laughs> on. And then she smelled where I walked, I'm pretty sure. And she's like sniffing around like, I'll find you, you know. And uh, that's when I shot her. But um, so it was kind of a not a super calm, collected moment. Uh, I drew my bow back and couldn't see my pins and literally used my mouth and grabbed the peep sight and twisted it and then came back to anchor and shot her. Um, yeah. My buddy Grip does that like all the time in competition. And the whole time I'm like, one of these days, you better be careful <laughs> what you're doing now. Here I am doing it. But yeah. um, I think that was one of those times where I probably should have just said, ah, let's let our bow down, fix it. And if she spooks, who cares? But it, it turned out, you know, I was about ready to throw up. I was so sick to my stomach over it. And uh, just the way she took off and the, um, you know, the original body language and the sound of the impact and the fact that I didn't hardly penetrate her and all that. So, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, I just wounded one of this guy's deer. I feel like, dog. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and I, I literally just told some buddies in the thread, like, you know, if it's a doe, you should try to make, you know, a really good shot. Like, let's not, I mean, you should always, but I know yeah. when you're hunting big deer, you know, they don't always offer that. So you got to take what you're given. But yeah. uh, man, I was so relieved when I got down there and saw the blood trail. I said, uh, oh, it was, it was incredible. I've never seen that much blood on a trail that was so consistent you know, yeah. we were tracking her through the woods. It was easy. But then we got into the field, into the cow pasture, and that's tough. Like, when they get into the pasture, that blood yes. trail can be really hard to see. This yeah. was streaks, like thick – like, again, like somebody's pouring out blood yep. on the ground. It was yep. – and then, you know, we – she died right in the field, and it's like, shit, there she is. Oh, there she is right there. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> I was like – I was like, well, hey, there, there she is right there. And we got the side-by-side, -side, loaded her up, went down, yanked mine out of the creek, which that was that was uh, a lot easier than I thought it was going to be because had I been by myself, you know, I've got winches on my side-by-side. -side, but if you were out in public land trying to get that, that – you'd have to quarter him out, I think. Yeah. You know, it was – he was in a bad spot uh, just the – I would have yeah. never, even on being on private land there, if we didn't have that side-by-side -side or a deer cart. Yeah. And I'm not even a big fan of deer carts, but like in your situation, we have like an open area to drag the deer. Great. Thumbs up. If you're yeah. talking about going through the mountains with a deer cart, <laughs> you might as well just suck on a tailpipe because that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I, you know, even getting that deer up that hill where the side-by-side -side trail is going up to the, the top of the pasture, that would be a, Oh, that'd be, be some, hell. some, yeah. some hike in there. That would be, yeah. that'd be a long night. Lots that of would be, let's quarter him out right there. And then we'll put him in packs and we'll walk to your barn dominium and yeah. be golden. Like we're not yeah. through that. We're not dragging him. Yeah. No, God, no. So, and the cool part, you know, and I don't even want to, I, 
the hunt is fun. The hunt is great. The the buck, and I'll go ahead and say it, the buck isn't the biggest buck I've ever shot by any means, but it was my first time in a mobile hunt. Yep. First time hunting with you. Yep. It was the, everything just felt right. He came out. It was just like, I mean, he's a respectable buck, but it was like, this is going to be, this is awesome. I mean, yep. it was, it was so cool. And then we came back and, you know, we uh, hung him in the, in the barn and we turned on the Bengals game had a couple drinks and you know, we had two deer to, to process and it's yep. fantastic. It nothing better than, than sharing the farm with friends and, you know, having that opportunity to, to, for both of us to, to tag, tag a tag a deer the same day. It's the first Amen. time we're hunting together. We're, yeah. we're batting a hundred percent right now. Literally. So yeah, that's for deer. So how many times have we hunted for turkeys together? Twice, twice. Okay. Yeah. So we're and literally two for three. Yeah. God. Cause you got your turkey with, with Rick. With Rick. Um, and then I shot my turkey. You were there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was me and you. You were yeah. You were going after uh <laughs> the the crazy old uh turkey in the back. That crazy old bastard that didn't want to oh. die. Was, I still wonder if that bird that I killed is him. I, I halfway wonder if it wasn't. That was a smart bird. Yes, he that was. was. A smart, smart bird. He's he good. had us fooled. He had us fooled for weeks. Yep. Yeah. That the the birds in Kentucky. So here in Ohio, if you set up high, you are guaranteed that it's guaranteed that that's where those birds are going to go. They're going to go high every time in a field, pasture, whatever. And there, it's almost like they're halfway down, sometimes come up, but for the most part, halfway over the hill or at the bottom, which blows my mind. So, but yeah, yeah we've, we've got some pretty good, uh, pretty good percentages going on. I, I was thinking about this. So listen to this. So in Ohio, on opening day of turkey season, I killed like 20 minutes into the season. Mm -hmm. And then on opening day of Ohio in deer season, I killed first sit. Yep. I killed a double bearded turkey this year and yep. a double drop time buck this year. I'm not sure. I should probably just quit while I'm ahead. Call it a day. Call it a day. Call it a day. So... Um, but yeah, that was a really fun hunt. And honestly, it was fun shooting the deer and getting the text from you and dragging them and doing the picks and all that. Yeah. But man, the, the bangles, beers and deers in, in the, the garage there was just, that's tough to beat. And yeah. now I've still got her. You still got yours aging. Yep. Yep. He's, nice. uh, I, I'm next to the cooler now. He's still, uh, He's chilling go. out in there. There and, you go. Uh, I got my my bucket and everything to do the Euro mount. I uh, got the uh, hot water oh, coil, no. which you'll have to do a video. But I'm I may make a video about that. That I'm super stoked about this. Dude, uh, it, it is a game life changer for anybody that does Euro mounts. Look up. Uh, there's actually a guy that makes they call them buck buckets. I think. Yeah. Where you take a hot water coil. Buck boilers, yeah. buck buckets. Yeah. yeah. 
and you, you take the hot water coil and you stick it in, you connect it and you fill it full of water and you just let it soak like a, like a crock pot and, uh, no more tending to the propane and Ugh. controlling the temperature and letting it get too high or too low and yep. boil overs and all sorts of stuff. So I'm maybe you'll have to film your, your little tutorial there and we'll slap it up on the channel. Yeah. I'm going to do it this weekend. Uh, I got it all set up, ready to go. So I'm, I'm excited, but, um, yeah, there's, there's nothing better than just being out doing stuff, you know? Oh yeah. Well, hopefully Even you guys if, have a really productive weekend. Maybe your buddy gets a buck and maybe a yeah. doe and then you kill you a doe. And, um, I mean, I, I think you got a pretty good number of deer there. Like oh, yeah. a lot more than I thought, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought you had like good deer numbers. I think, I think that's probably, uh, if I had to bet probably one of the better deer density areas that I've hunted, I've got a couple spots in Ohio that might be similar, but man, there's a lot of deer there. I mean, I can count on one hand how many times I've gone out and not seen any deer. Yeah. Like it's very rare not to see a deer now whether you get there's a difference between seeing a deer and having a shot at a deer yeah. you know like oh, yeah. we see them we see them but you may not they may not be they may be too far sure in the brush whatever but um yeah it's it's a good place but we also we we manage the land for that too sure and you know we take care of the property and you know we're we're set up for i don't want to say deer management but the far, my, my neighbors are all great. They're, they're all under the same kind of guidelines. We're not just going to go out and, you know, kill them off the, off the teat and we're right. all, we're all responsible hunters. So it's, it's a good group, good little patch of land here that we've got. And yeah. It's going to be for good years to come. Heck yeah, man. All right. Well, again, thank you. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing about how your weekend goes. I've got yeah. muzzleloader myself in Kentucky on some public, and um, I've I've got a a pretty solid spot I'm going to be hitting with a buddy. So I'm pretty excited. We don't when we hunt together, it's normally pretty meaningful. So we we normally yeah. figure out a way to get some things accomplished. So I'm pretty pretty excited about it. Yeah, those are the memories. Oh yeah, man. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a short break here, and then let's talk about how to keep one's feet from getting too cold. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid-season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham Lightweight Hunting Pants and the Midweight Shelton Hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions when fishing and hunting. So 
So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand-assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid. And I got to tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really, really impressed. To learn more for yourself, check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com. I've got a lot of experience at being stupid. So that really comes into play later on in life. Um, I, I mean, we're men. That's part of our makeup. It's pretty much our job is to be dumb, which before, I don't know if I told you this or not, because we we're kind of caught up in the moment with your buck and my doe. But so one sticking up a tree you go up with a single stick and you hang from the saddle. You know, the rope that we call the tether yep. that goes around the tree, I'm clipped onto that. And I literally hang in the tree and I detach my stick and bring it up higher and then reattach it, right? And then just yep. climb up that way. And to get down, you repel. So okay. you come down to your stick detach it, attach it to your your saddle, and then rappel out of the tree. And you've got a throw line hooked to your rappel line, and you pull it down. Well, my rope was binding up the ascending device that I use, the belay device that I used to rappel the last yep. time I used it. So I left it at home and decided I was going to use a carabiner and a munter hitch. And... I thought, you know, I've done this before practicing. I've not done it deer hunting, but I've wanted to actually switch to that because I like it better. It's more smooth. And okay. you have less to carry, less to remember, and less weight. Um, and the biggest thing is that belay device, can't. It, it can like hit your stick or something while you're going up and go ting, and I don't like that. So um, I thought, I'll do it that way. Well... I started to do it, and then I was like, well, wait a minute. This isn't a hands-free method. You have to keep tension on the rope, or you go down, or fall. Sure. I mean, if you let go of your rope, you fall. With my belay device, I can lean back. Lock and it. Yeah. It, lock it lock. It, yeah. So it's almost like it's basically self-locking, too. So I'm thinking, like, well, if I can't go hands-free, how am I going to stop and – get my stick off the tree. Like, what am I going to do there? And is it really worth it? Mm -hmm. Well, as I got down to the stick, I was like, eh, I'm not. And I forgot my light. So, I'm, you know, you can't hold your phone and repel. So I'm like, no. So I climbed back up the stick and um, I decided I was going to one stick back down the tree. Now, just to be clear, 
that is what took me forever. Like, yeah, that is hell on earth in broad daylight. <laughs> I did it on a white oak tree with branches in the pitch black. So that was zero fun. Now it's not unsafe. It just sucks because yeah. you're doing everything in reverse. And I mean, it's, you ask anybody that's a one sticker, they've, they've probably tried it or forgot something and had to do it. It's horrible. <laughs> Speaking of being stupid, um, that was my dumb, dumb moment of the night. So, but anyway, um, so the first rule to keeping your feet warm is to keep your core warm. Uh, ways to do this um, that I've learned from buddies on our team, actually. Uh, one is obviously layering. Uh, good mm -hmm. layering. A puffy vest is tough to beat. And if you get one that has some of those pockets in the back uh, and even all around, but um, Aaron Satterfield taught me that if you stick a large uh, hot hands pouch or whatever you call them back there, it'll keep your kidneys warm. Yep. And that's like huge for yep. keeping your core warm. And what happens is a lot of people don't realize this, but the reason that your ears, nose, um, you know, your fingers and toes, hands, feet, the reason that all those get cold is because your core temperature is starting to drop and your body is pulling blood from its extremities. So now we pair that with Chris's young man dumb days where <laughs> I would put two, three, four pairs of socks on and yep. then put on leather boots and tie them as tight as I could. Restricting then, blood flow. Oh my God, you are not kidding. Cutting off the damn circulation to your feet. Yep. Yep. Um, and then there's no room in there for any like warm air pockets or anything. It's you're just basically cooling everything down efficiently, I might add. So um, really the best way to keep your your feet warm is to have a pair of boots that's that's you know maybe a half size to a size, probably about a size bigger, because mm -hmm. you're gonna want to um you're going to want to have a good quality wool sock, not, not, not cotton. God, for the love of God, not cotton. Yeah. Use an alpaca or a merino wool sock that's, you know, got a decent bit of thickness to it and leave some room in that boot for air to circulate around the foot. And what will happen is two things. You'll develop those warm air pockets. The other thing is your foot isn't going to basically get sweaty and wet and stay that way. It has the ability to maybe kind of dry out a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing that people can do is to get, um, I know Arctic Shield makes some boot covers. Yep. Um, those are great for keeping warm. And then the cool part about those is if you're in a, you know, a roomy stand or blind or whatever, hunting on the ground, whatever it is, you feel comfortable with it and you can wear those, you can toss some hot hands uh, in those. And then you're looking at a nice toasty little cozy sit. Yeah. I've seen guys, they'll take uh, those hot hands and they will duct tape them 
we're talking scent, so whether it's smart or not, but they'll duct tape them to the top of the boot so it keeps the top of the boot warm. And that way um, it can it allows airflow and everything within your socks. Another thing is they'll take a mat, like a rubber mat or some sort of carpet or some, you know, some sort of thin mat and they'll lay it on the bottom of their um, standing platform, whether you're in sure. a, whether you're in a uh, hang on or even a, a box blind, but something to protect your, that cold air from coming up and, and getting your, your feet cold. It's uh, but I've seen those, those boot covers and I'm, I've looked at them a couple different times because I do not like when my feet get cold, I'm done. Like it is game over. It's, it's time to go back in, but, um, it can suck pretty bad. Yeah. It's cause it's not like you can sit there and do squats in the, in a tree to get blood circulating down to your feet again, yeah. but, nope. uh, you know, wiggling your toes is about all you're going to get. Yeah. Like I said, if you've got tight boots on and tight socks, you're not wiggling a whole oh, lot. I remember those days, man. It sucked <laughs> so bad. I remember and then you're asking, you're like, why am I so cold? I've got three pairs of socks on. Well, right. That's why. <laughs> I can't feel my legs, but <laughs> yeah, it is, um, it is interesting how that works though. Um, and I, I've not had to use my Arctic shield boot covers yet. It's got to be pretty cold, but, uh, but also here in, you know, Southern Ohio and Kentucky, I mean, we're not getting super cold very often. Like, no. We'll have a cold snap or two a year where it'll get down in the single digits or something. And mm -hmm. and uh, if it does that now, yeah, you'll find me putting boot covers on. But again, like it, it, it all depends. If that's a morning hunt, then absolutely. I have to. Yep. An evening hunt, I know that I've probably got, you know, for one, it's probably not going to be that cold in November. So we're looking at a late season hunt and I'm not getting in super early on a late season hunt. So right. and, and you have a finite like window of when you're going to be done, you know, right. you can say, Hey, you know what? It's getting dark. It's I can stand this another hour, but if, if it's yes. a morning hunt, you're like, well, shoot, I'm starting to see deer now and they're still moving. Exactly. I, I don't want to go in now. And right. So then you're, then you're, you're battling yourself. <laughs> yep. I remember, uh, Rick's brother, Will, have you ever met him? I've not, no. Okay, so he got into, well, he, he's hunted like Rick, but he got back into it um, when we were hanging out and uh, when we started hanging out. And uh, this was 2018. I shot my, my big buck and was all about getting him a deer. And um, we go out for the Muslim. You know what? This was actually the year prior. And I, that was 2017. So I'd already killed my buck and told him we should do the muzz season is what it was. And we mm -hmm. had one of those single digi, like six degrees cold snaps. I think it actually was four that morning. If I remember correctly, it got down to four. And mm -hmm. uh, I looked at his boots and I was like, I, is that what you're wearing hunting? He's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I wore these all over, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but you're hiking and fishing. You're not sitting still in four-degree weather. And so, you know, he got tough. So I was like, 
I'm gonna bring this sleeping bag in my pack. And I'm Just I mean in case. I'm on I'm bruising it. I'm on Doe Patrol, so I don't care. You know. Dude, twenty minutes it took him to ask for that sleeping bag. And I had I half that's, ni that's nineteen more minutes than it would take me. <laughs> Dude, it was cold as hell. I remember talking to Rick and him and his dad are like in a blind with a heater on, and I'm like, damn man, that's genius. So I don't I feel like they Rick might have killed a deer that day too. Um, but yeah, gotta keep the feet warm. Um once they get cold, like you said, you know, you can you can always remedy something to get your ears or nose or Josh puts hot hands on his face. I don't know how he deals with that, but um, you, you, you can take a muff and throw some hot hands in there and that's enough, dude. I mean, they even make, you know, electric socks now that have a little heat coil in them that keeps, keeps them a little warm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are nice. Um, I, I wouldn't mind investing in a pair of those and maybe one of those vests that heats up as well, yeah. just to try. It'd be neat. So, but with that said, um, again, super grateful that you came on. Grateful to have a chance to hunt a beautiful farm and get to hang out with yeah. you and everything. And I'm going to have to get you up here to Ohio to scare the hell out of some things up here. Yeah, let's go. Lots of, First hunt of many, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. Well, any concluders before we hop off here? Keep them feet warm and uh, shoot straight. There you go. All right. Well, I'll steal Rick's. Uh, if you have the opportunity, get a kid or an anyone that's mm -hmm. interested out in the field hunting and fishing. And also make sure you've got your life jackets on while you're hunting or fishing this <laughs> and winter and make damn sure you do not come up, uh, disconnected from that tree until your feet are on the ground. So yep. with that being said, uh, thank you again, Bruce. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. See you.